Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Griselda Murray-Brown and this is News in Focus, where we offer our insights into the global news stories that matter. How bad is the problem of stress and burnout in corporate jobs? Lila Raptopoulos is my co-presenter on the FT's fortnightly culture podcast, Everything Else, and she carried out a reader-driven investigation into the topic with James Fontanella Khan, our corporate deals editor. Lila takes up the story. James, hi. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Good, thanks, it's good to be here with you. Yeah, same. Um, I am wondering if you remember where this idea of mental health and investigating mental health came from. So I cover deals for a living. Um, I'm in this kind of crazy world of mergers and acquisitions. I spend most of my evenings meeting sources in bars and going out for dinner. And one thing that kind of a recurring theme, apart from trying to you know weasel out some information from people, is that you tend to share stories and you get to know these people on a more personal level. I've been covering this for now five years. And the levels of stress and burnout, it's sort of becoming a noticeable trend amongst people I actually dealt with regularly. And then something that came out and throughout the news is like we, we saw a number of lawyers in particular committing suicide. And yeah. that was kind of shocking. And, and so I thought we could explore that and maybe use our readers to find more about this topic. Yeah. My job is figuring out ways that we can use our readers in our investigations. And a lot of times we are you know, at the Financial Times reporting on topics that our readers are experts in or have a lot of insight on or have tips about. And so, like, how do we open that line of communication so that we're in conversation? So Absolutely. This, so this is what we did. We put together a call out. It was just a little survey form that we published on our site. And we said sort of we're looking into what companies do to support your mental health, help us investigate. And also, we all, didn't we also ask them about if they ever felt discriminated because of mental health? Yes. Because that, for me, was one of the reasons people weren't coming out was they were scared they were going to lose a promotion or a bonus. Yeah. Were you surprised by their response? Well, the, we had na- nearly 500 people yeah. got back to us. That was surprising to see so many people open up and like share very, very personal stories. Yeah. Uh, some of them were anonymous. Others were actually very open about their names, where they worked, what they did. And it was honestly very touching. Right. They came from like more than 40 different countries across different professions from, you know, professors. We had people working for industrial companies, scientists. You know, it was just a musician. I mean, it was really fascinating to see the breadth um, of the response. Yeah. And so two-thirds of them said that their work had a somewhat to extremely negative effect on their health. And 44% said they don't think mental health is taken seriously by their organization, which felt very high. And also half of them said that either they don't know where to go at work or they don't have anywhere to go if they need support. So we thought, okay, we obviously need to look into this. We knew that mental health is sort of a thing that a lot of places are reporting on and a lot of companies are talking about. But the question was really like, if you dig down burnout, overwork, depression, anxiety, are those things actually taken seriously or are they just sort of buzzwords? Absolutely. That, that's the one thing that, you know, we wanted to try to break through that and try to get deeper into the subject. Yeah. So as we saw these themes in the responses, one of the people 
that kept coming up was this man named Gabe McConnell, who had, about a month before we had put the survey out, died by suicide in the parking lot of his law firm, Sidley Austin, in Los Angeles. And uh, his widow had put out a piece in the American Lawyer magazine, and it was called Big Law Killed My Husband. And it was about how there were so many places where he could have been helped, where he wasn't. And that, like, ultimately, a number of things caused this perfect storm that got her to lose him, but that, like, the culture had to change. And it was really an emergency. And we were really moved by that. And we were surprised that actually it came up from a number of respondents specifically pointing to this story. So we requested to go out there. And it was eye-opening. Yeah, we traveled to L.A. after contacting his wife, Joanna. And Joanna, with her warmth and the warmth also of her mom, we spent many, many, many hours kind of getting to know Gabe and learning about his story. Yeah, you know, her and her mother sat next to each other and told the story of who Gabe was, which was a very open-hearted, seeming, warm mentor to many people in his office and personally, that he cared immensely about his work, about law as a profession, as opposed to just making money, making yeah. money, um, and about sort of bringing people up below him and making sure that they succeeded. Uh, and she talked a little bit about the difficulty that he had over time and the signs that there were that he was struggling and how hard it can be to pick up on those and how complicated suicide is and depression is, but that ultimately part of the problem for him was that there was a culture of bottling it up and just getting the work done and everybody else is working as hard as you and everybody else is also worried and so keep it to yourself. Yeah, and one thing that I think we tried to make clear throughout the piece, this is a problem that everybody's facing. I mean, the, the World Health Organization said it costs in terms of productivity, over a trillion dollars a year for everybody. And companies are where we spend most of our time, most of of our adult life. And if we don't fix the workplace, this is not going to be fixed at all. And it's a cultural issue, and uh, I think it's only getting worse. And we see it because people are sort of like always on, and the way that people interact in a workplace is sort of more intense, and there are fewer boundaries to it. And so it seems like these issues are getting worse. I remember Joanna gave us this binder at the end. Do you remember that? Absolutely. And we were going through it, and it was just people saying, like, thank you for that letter. Reading it saved my life. You know, like, I felt just like Gabe. And knowing that other people feel that way in itself was what I needed. So, yeah. So some of the themes that we were seeing in Gabe's story and we kept seeing reflected in this call out that we did were overwork. There being like a cultural stigma against talking about mental health, talking about burnout, talking about weakness of any kind. There being both pressure from the top to reach impossible goals, no matter where you are, and also very little reflection from the top of it being okay to be having a hard time. Absolutely. The lack of leadership in many ways. Exactly. And there not being clarity from the top that actually, if you're not doing well, that should be treated the same as if you've broken a leg. And I think this is at the heart of the problem. And this was the moment when we're talking to Joanna and her mom, where 
her mom said, if Gabe only had a heart attack, I mean, right. it would have saved him in many ways because he could have gone to the hospital, he would have got his heart fixed, and he would have had a lot of compassion. Mm-hmm. Instead, mental health, people don't want to talk about it. And when Joanna suggested that he might want to tell work that he needed to take some time off, he said, like, we need to keep this secret because otherwise it could negatively impact my career. I think he said it would be the It'd end, be of, end my of my career. career. And, and whether that is actually true or not, Right. We, we don't know that, but like the fact that he felt like that is a feeling I think that is shared by millions of people. Right. Um, and then the last thing that we saw more than we expected to was this idea that when people did come out, they were penalized, and that actually there were situations in which people were demoted or fired or discriminated against on the basis of their mental health, and in some cases where they were signing NDAs. Absolutely. Um, We're forced to sign NDAs to sweep that under the rug. Reinforcing the silence and the taboo through these NDAs. Exactly. And that was kind of very shocking in how it's institutionalized. Right. Especially at many of these law firms where secrecy is paramount. Right. One of the things that I remember that stands out to me is when somebody said, actually, it's in the company's interest to make sure that nobody's talking about this because once one person feels comfortable saying, you know what, I'm burned out, I can't live like this, it sort of gives permission to your other employees to do the same. And that's really a strange way and not an effective way to deal with your employees. Like at the end of the day, that's what makes them burn out. That's what makes them leave. You end up losing more money and more resources and the happiness of your employees if you think that way. And this is, again, one of the big goals of our story is to get companies to realize that dealing and preventing mental health is actually good for the bottom line. It's like you'll make more money. It's like if your employees are happy, if your employees are healthy, both physically and mentally, they will give back more. And it actually will make your company richer. It will make the CEOs bring home more money. If you needed an economic incentive rather than, more importantly, a moral one, there you go. The evidence is in front of you. We also talked to two companies that stand out to me. The first was Lloyd's. This is the UK bank, right? Yes, the UK bank. Uh, Antonio Horta Osorio is the CEO at the helm. A few years ago when he took over, he actually took some time off for, I think it was stress-based insomnia was what they called it, but he sort of describes it in many interviews as sort of he burned out. And having gone through it, he went back to his position much stronger and much better and has succeeded in many ways, and part of what he has implemented is the sense that, like, okay, this is an open issue. Like, this is something that I went through. I'm going to tell my story. I'm going to tell it publicly. I'm going to tell it internally. And I'm going to make sure that all of you know that, like, we care about you. And by talking about it, he's breaking that stigma. If the boss is talking openly about mental health and his own personal problems, then everybody else can do it. And and in our call-out, so many people, even people who didn't work at Lloyd's, told us how inspiring that was. Yeah. The other example that I really find interesting is Prudential, which is an insurance company. Uh, And they have a chief medical officer, which in itself is very interesting. His name is Andrew Crichton. And he, when he started, began to quantitatively measure employee productivity and well-being. So he used an employee questionnaire and he gave some incentives. So like 80% of people were actually filling it out. And he was tracking well-being and productivity using that questionnaire and and happiness. And um, 
asking like very specific questions. So they would ask questions and then they would see where people were unhappy and then they would provide services to help with those things. And then they could continue to actually see the outcome and the productivity changes based on how that questionnaire was answered over time. So it gave just like another quantitative data point for them to bring to the top to say, actually, this is working. Our retention is better, happiness is higher, and productivity is higher. And I thought, like, that's the kind of thing that should be done, especially at big companies, in order to get people to buy in in the first place. That's correct. And that, that was very, very helpful to, to learn that. So what's next? Uh, well, we're not done. This is just, you know, the first of hopefully a series of pieces where we're going to keep on investigating on the subject. So we're going to look at, for example, the role that insurance companies have. Because, again, one of the big themes that we just briefly touch upon in the piece is like how so often companies and insurance companies are working together yeah. to effectively deny mental health care to their employees. So that's one area mm-hmm. that we, we're going to investigate. And the other one is about NDAs that we touched upon. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Sure. The other thing we're interested in is people who feel they've been discriminated against on the basis of their mental health and have taken legal action and have been asked or pressured to sign NDAs uh, to keep their story under wraps. Um, we have been seeing that in our responses, and we know there are more stories, and uh, we want to hear from everybody. So, like, if you're listening and you think, oh, my company is doing something sketchy around how it deals with mental health, or you have any stories about someone, you or someone you know who's had to sign an NDA, uh, or you have any knowledge about um, that relationship between companies and insurance companies, we want to hear from you. Absolutely. So do get in touch. How, how should they do that? I'm going to use your email address because it's easier than mine. Uh, it's jfk at ft.com. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter or there are a number of ways that you can reach us. I'm Lila Raptopoulos. James is James Fontanella Khan. Yeah, we want to hear from you. Absolutely. Don't be shy. We, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. That was Lila Raptopoulos talking to James Fontanella Khan, our corporate deals editor. Their story is free to read and you can find it at ft.com slash mental health. We'll also put a link in our show notes. And you can check out our fortnightly culture podcast. Recent interviewees include Charlie Brooker, John Ronson and Sheila Hetty. And we'll add a link to that in our show notes too. Thanks for listening. <laughs>